few years have been more challenging than 2020. With already packed schedules and myriad responsibilities even before the pandemic, leaders have risen to the challenge and faced uncertainties head on. For many leaders, technology has proved its function as an enabler and shone a light on the evolving roles across the C-suite. I'm IDG's Tamlin McGee, and this is the fourth and final episode in our podcast series with Accenture, Cloud Transformed. With me today is Nena Illamachina, MD for Strategy and Consulting at Accenture, and Rachel Barton, Head of Accenture Strategy and Consulting, and we'll be speaking about the powerful catalyst technology can be in transforming leadership roles. Hi, Nena and Rachel. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Hello. Nena, Rachel, let's get right to it. You spend a lot of your time talking to CEOs and other leaders, so you've both got a deep understanding of their concerns. Let's start at the top. Leaders have navigated unprecedented uncertainty recently. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little and to what's changed at the board level over this past year. Yeah, thank you. What a great question, Tamlin. And as you say, um, a lot has changed at the board level. Confidence is very high, actually, amongst business leaders. In fact, in the UK, they are at the highest level since 2015. And I think this confidence is well earned because just look what business has achieved this last year. They've virtualized workforces, they've invested in technology, and they've been able to stimulate demand for products and services that didn't exist many months ago. But the roles at the board level have also changed. Um, not necessarily in, into the introduction of, you know, new capabilities, as we saw many years ago with the rise of the chief customer officer or the, the chief data officer. But in a far more subtle way, the CHRO um, probably meets with the CEO every day at the moment, given the massive shifts in workforce, both in terms of talent, but also in support and well-being. The CIO has become not just the implementer of tech, but a force that helps pivot the entire business with speed. And the CMO is now not just responsible for great marketing, but a growth agenda beyond which they've ever had to face into before. So I think confidence is well earned based on what's gone to date, but also there is much more synergy and cooperation that is required to play out at the board level in order to catalyze on the growth opportunity going forward. So it's great, um, Rachel, that you actually mentioned that aspect of the employee and the the CHRO's role, because I was actually speaking at a CFO offsite for a company just a, a few months ago. And like many companies through the pandemic, there were lots of shifts. There have been lots of shifts, potential M&A activity as as the business landscape continues to change. But what was evident was how much they were speaking about talent and employees in the boardroom in a virtual room with the CFO and the top finance leaders. The conversation centered around the employee experience. Were they feeling safe and secure in their role in order to do their jobs, let alone perform at optimal levels? We spent quite a bit of time on how to engage and empower their teams, how to make them believe in the future of the company and as a place to feel proud to work. And these conversations on employees and talent are taking a much more prominent role, actually, in the boardroom discussions as well. 
Interesting stuff. So really emblematic of changing priorities at the board level. Um, I'm curious to hear, Rachel, your perspective on how those changing priorities at the board level will set the agenda going forward. So if we look at what's gone on over the last year, many organisations have uh, used technology and made huge investments, particularly in cloud, cybersecurity, data and analytics, to create resilience and cost efficiency in their business as they've uh, leaned into sorting out cost structures. Actually, now we're seeing a shift in priority um, where technology is being used to stimulate demand, um, often for products and services that don't yet exist at scale. And convergence and the opportunities that sit behind that are a good example. I mean, if you take TELUS, which is a, a North American, Canadian telecommunications business, they quickly saw the opportunities in health as this has become much more prominent and central in society. And they have launched Telus Health, which is a range of digital services that help tap into a new market around physicians, pharmacists, and even patients with their acquisition of Babylon. Um, you know, if we also look at the ventilator consortium that we saw play out in the UK, where competitors, startups, came together very, very quickly to solve a challenge beyond any one of those organizations. And they used technology as a way of creating systems access, um, uh, security across data um, and IP to be able to create over 14,000 ventilators in just the space of three months within the UK. So these sorts of ways of building resilience, but also now moving into growth, new partnerships, new business models, is very exciting as we see an evolution around the way that organisations see their, their role in society playing out. And it sounds like collaboration at the board level has never been more important. So... Could you tell us a bit more about specific functions, Nena? What are some lessons learned across the C-suite from CFOs to CROs and CMOs? What do trends here suggest? So, I mean, it's really interesting that, that Rachel talked a lot about the sorts of industry collaborations that we're seeing, because with the acceleration of digital, the impact on business models is profound. Companies are moving from a product-centric type organization to more of a service and customer-centric organization. And that requires really a shift in how products are developed, marketed, sold, and then serviced. And so they're looking to deliver, as you could hear from the examples, they're looking to deliver outcomes rather than just products. And so my clients, I mean, I focus on the telecoms and tech sector, and, and my clients are looking to deliver outcomes for their business customers, for example, which requires that broader collaboration. And it means that they have to bring into their ecosystem companies that have core capabilities outside of what they have. And they're, not, they're no longer thinking just about connectivity. I mean, that's been happening for a few years now that they have to expand beyond connectivity, but that's happening even more in a, in a much more accelerated fashion now. So, for example, in that health sector example that, that, that Rachel mentioned, the, the, the telco needs 
the support from tech providers, solutions providers, insurance providers, a variety of, of companies within the health ecosystem to be able to deliver those outcomes for the consumer. So it's much more of a B to B to C model. And these outcome-based models require that stronger collaboration across not only the industry players externally, but the full value chain. So when you look within the business, that requires real collaboration and discussion, integrated conversations with the CFO, the chief revenue officer, the CMO, the, the product development teams, the sales teams. It's just, it's a much more integrated collaboration across the C-suite. If you're gonna transform your business model and you're going to take advantage of the opportunities in the market, you're gonna to have to do that. And, and we're seeing a lot more of that. It's a much bigger ecosystem play moving forward. Leaders and especially CEOs have to do whatever they can to help their businesses become relevant, grow and dominate their sectors. Technology is obviously a massive enabler to that, but it's one of many things. So how much do leaders really need to know about technology and the cloud, for instance? Where does it fit into the wider patchwork of expertise expected of leaders? So, Tamlin, it's a, it's a great question because we've um, the headlines have been dominated um, to a degree by cloud um, analytics, security, as massive investment plays that organizations are pursuing. But as you rightly say, how deep into these technologies do people really need to be? I mean, if we just look over the last year, organizations of 55% of organizations have invested in cloud and over 70% of organizations in the UK expect to make investments in cloud going forwards. Now, while this is a technology, it is, of course, a huge enabler to speed, agility, that cross-functional working that Nena was describing, and also an ability to connect with your customers or the consumers of your customers faster so that you can create value across an ecosystem. Now, you know, maybe if we just look at a couple of examples, um, let's take, you know, NHS um, mail. Uh, this was a deployment of Microsoft Teams to 1.2 million NHS workers. And you could argue, well, why does a physician need to care about technology? You know, why do some of the hospital trusts need to care about technology? Why do they need to be bothered by cloud? Well, actually, by deploying technology at pace and adopting it, through a user-centered experience and design that was able to reach in just over you know a couple of weeks a massive population of frontline workers to share best practice and real-time advice around how to handle the surging cases around covid without that kind of technology and without an understanding of how that technology works um, resolutions just wouldn't have been possible at the moment dealing with what was becoming a very, very complex um, and fast-growing pandemic. So using technology and understanding how to use technology to solve real problems within a business that unlocks value, uh, whether that is human value, whether that's financial value, is incredibly important for everybody to understand. 
Nena talked about the CHRO and their role has changed dramatically, as has the tech capability that they need to understand in order to virtualize workforces, maintain flexible working, think about productivity levels, and also think about a hybrid model where you've got physical and digital working alongside each other. If they weren't tech savvy, they wouldn't have been able to virtualize, you know, 90% of workforces that we know is played out in major businesses across the UK today. And I completely, I mean, I completely agree, um, Rachel. It's about understanding the possibilities that, that that technology, cloud and analytics can provide. I mean, we talk about technology quotient, don't we? But it, it's so much of a of making sure that everyone has that curious and expansive mindset because the possibilities are constantly changing and growing. I mean, who knew, you know, a few years ago that we would be able to work entirely remotely um, in, in, in many um, of our jobs today, but the possibilities continue to expand. And so we can't rest on our laurels. We, got, we have to keep learning. And I think technology is a space in which it's, so, it's changing all the time, as we know. So the most, the, the most important, I think, attribute of a leader is that they're constantly learning and understanding how these technology capabilities can transform the way they work. Mm -hmm. And those are really great examples, but I'd love to hear any more examples you have about how the most forward-looking companies have met challenges head-on and use technology as a catalyst for wider change. Yeah, so let's take the Bank of England you know, very traditional organisation that has leaned into a massive payments um, infrastructure change, uh, about £686 billion worth of payments go through the Bank of England every day. And they're now dealing with new forms of currency, um, how we look at different payment systems in China, you know, with platforms like WeChat, as an example. So such a traditional organization embracing a massive payments platform shift like that in order to be a modern, relevant um, organization is just one example of how technology has been used as a huge catalyst for change. Um, you know, if we think about Atom Bank as another example, I mean, they're one of the, the challenger banks uh, based in the, the north of England, and they've only been around for about seven years or so, but they've always been a, a cloud native um, organization. And just look at the speed and agility with which they're able to change. So I think what we're seeing is that many organizations are thinking about how they are going to emerge from this challenging period that we've all been in, using technology but in the context of where they see value lying in the market to transform their organization for the next wave of growth. And that is really exciting. And Nena, where does this all fit into the wider patchwork? I'm thinking things like the economy more broadly. Well, this that's a really great question because one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit over the last year is very interesting activity that's going on in the small to medium size enterprise sector, these smaller businesses that we know have really struggled through the pandemic. And in the UK, for example, we know that they account for about 47% of the UK economy. 
And we also know that the, that the success of even the larger enterprises is very much intertwined with the success of the SME because SMEs actually account for about three-fifths of employment. So we really need to focus and make sure that we keep those SMEs successful. And we're helping our you know, forward-looking large enterprises to make sure that they can develop digital services that will help them to better understand the needs of their SMEs who are actually their customers as well. And so leveraging smart analytics to be able to help them to identify the needs of these customers, to develop platforms that will provide, that they can provide to these SMEs to better support their own digital operations and grow their own businesses. We're seeing a lot more of that. How can we help the SME sector to leverage our services better, to grow their businesses better, to operate much more efficiently. Those sorts of platforms, um, we're seeing a lot of movement in that. And I think that's really, again, really exciting because it's really powering and digitizing the entire UK economy. This is all a lot to contend with, though. So what are some of the chief concerns you're hearing from customers with regards to digital data in the cloud? What keeps cropping up and how can leaders address these? Well, I mean, I will say with digital data and cloud, you know, come incredible opportunities, as we've talked about, for business model transformation, but also increasing levels of information risk, which requires a, a certain culture and mindset that is, one, yes, always learning and always expansive, two, has the skill sets to leverage data analytics to drive such innovation, but three, really manage and engage with risk effectively, but also in a socially responsible manner. And this is what keeps coming up time and time again. Do we have the right culture, skills, and capabilities within our organization to be able to address this rapidly changing landscape? One key thing that we find is that now, even more so than ever, a focus on the transformation of your people, their skills, the culture is just as important as the transformation of the technology itself. And specifically, we need to make sure that the workforce and the culture has a very healthy balance of risk engagement and risk taking um, you know, for our people. And Nenna, you picked up there on the sustainability point, which of course is, a, is really important, not just because for consumers, the connection with purpose is so strong. In fact, it's probably one of the most profound shifts we're seeing um, in dictating consumer appeal since the, the rise of customer experience and its importance probably about uh, eight, 10 years ago, but also how sustainability has become so important this last year as supply chains um, have kept the world working and connected but the focus on making them resilient, but traceable and sustainable has also been far more critical. And in fact, if we just look at some of the, the leading organisations, I mean, take Accenture as an example. Uh, we recently launched a scheme for all of our employees to upgrade to electric vehicles. And there was a, a subsidy put in place for that. We've also seen with Microsoft, They've announced that not only will they uh, head towards carbon zero, but they will also, by 2050, have neutralised the carbon emitted 
1975, we're seeing a massive focus put on the energy transition as um, a little like the ventilator consortium, um, organisations in the oil and gas sector are partnering to create an outcome beyond any one of their individual companies. And that is going to require launching new products and services ahead of regulation and finding ways to stimulate demand as they go on their own decarbonisation journeys. So the, the importance of sustainability to a consumer um, within a partnership model, thinking about collaboration and brand are also going to be critical to capture this next wave of growth. Rachel, in that context, especially around values, I'm curious to hear the longer term view of how leadership roles are evolving. Well, I think what we're seeing and maybe COVID has been an accelerant for this is a different way of considering value at the board level. I mean, in the in the I've talked about the ventilator consortium and how businesses came together around a common purpose. We also saw Prada, for example, repurpose its perfume labs to make hand sanitizer or Burberry uh, manufacturing PPE equipment. There has been a much greater sense that value to society, you know, as well as well as value to shareholders is important. And I think we're going to see this concept of what we at Accenture call 360 value permeating much more broadly across business as a whole, where we look at shareholders, society, customers, consumers, partners, um, and think about the value that we're providing to each of those. It's perhaps no coincidence that we've seen many organisations make very bold commitments to inclusion and diversity. Um, there have been a number of CEO and board level shifts this last year that have brought a much more inclusive form of leadership to play. I mean, if we just take Alison Rose and you know her appointment in that West, she's been very um, clear around her vision to move into sustainable finance and think about ways of supporting um, an inclusive and diverse set of entrepreneurs within um, UK business. These are the kind of statements that we're seeing from leaders um, and the kind of way of looking at value, which is far more holistic than perhaps the tone that we've seen in the past. And Nena, what does that cultural change piece say for the future of leadership? I think what's, what's really important is that um, as we move into these new um, operating models, which are you know, as Rachel has just described, very, um, I guess I would say permeable, right? The organization does not just exist in its own silo, pushing out products um, to its customers. I mean, you really need to engage in a much deeper manner, um, leveraging technology, leveraging, you know, data and insights. And that has a profound impact on people, or at least your people have a profound impact on how you respond to these sorts of things. So the culture of the organization is so much more important. You need what we, what I like to call it, kind of a risk-engaged culture that supports this constant transformation. And the leaders in an organization need to be clear on the business value 
and the risk associated with that business value in the context of their own data and business strategy. So where is the value and where are the risks? And much of the time, the answers are outward, like I said, not really inward facing. So leaders need to focus on creating a culture that is that that in, encourages their people to be hungry, to learn from all sources and not afraid to fail, which is a very important thing. And that that starts from the very top. So identifying how to reward and promote the right behaviors, understanding what risks you can take and what risks you absolutely cannot take especially when you're trying to deal in this socially responsible manner, not just what you're doing to the environment, but what you're doing with your customer data, with your with your consumer data, making sure that people are really clear on what is okay to do and what is absolutely not okay to do. Building that culture where you're able to engage with these risks and take smart risks is going to be really, really, really important moving forward. That segues really nicely to my final question for you both, which is I I wondered if we could close with some best practice or advice to keep front and centre for leaders to prepare for that longer term view. Well, I mean, from if I just, you know, following on from the conversation, you know, as we become more digital native, because we're all moving to being more digital native, I think the human aspect, you know, I'd like to say is 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 ever more critical. So having a solid talent management talent talent retention, talent development programs that are inclusive and encourage the right sorts of behaviors and create really, really develop critical digital related skills. I think that's going to be key because the the war for talent as people reevaluate their circumstances is going to become even more acute. And so people really need to focus on that expansive and inclusive, you know, talent development program. And maybe just picking up on on that Nena, I mean that the ta- talent is going to be the buzzword um, as we we move through twenty twenty one for sure, and not just a massive war for talent. I remember that Gen Z is now entering the workforce. It's going to be the 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 critical demographic to recruit. Um, they care far much more for the planet, sustainability, and an alignment with purpose that we've seen in previous generations. But there's also a massive reskilling program that organizations are going to have to embark on. You know, and many are putting massive funds into that. I think Amazon just announced a $700 million fund to reskill 100,000 workers. Um, at Accenture, we've invested $3 billion into the newly formed Cloud First uh, initiative and uh, global reskilling around technology quotient. And this permeates into customers as well, because many customers are also part of that workforce that cares so much um, with the, the purpose and sustainability agenda of a business. And customers vote with their feet. I mean, let's just look at the experiences that um, that we as consumers Um, get from the organizations we do business with there's very little differentiation Uh, there's a monotony of design in the digital forum we're going to see huge investment I think into different ways of engaging and creating experiences Uh, whether that is um, you know sensory responses where you know you can start to smell coffee 
when you order your coffee via your app or you can hear the purr of an engine when you're thinking about different uh, fuel retailing choices. These are going to be new ways of engaging consumers in what will be a highly, highly competitive marketplace. And I think more than anything, businesses now have to look at how they stimulate demand for products and services that don't yet exist at scale as they explore those convergence spaces, as I described with TELUS, but also as they capture um, what will be the next wave of growth um, and particularly uh, stimulate demand for sustainability and decarbonized products ahead of regulation. So I think lots to be excited about. And uh, of course, it's going to be very hard to do any of this if businesses are not leaning into a very profound technology transformation at their core. I think that's a perfect place to close. That's all really, really interesting stuff and a lot of food for thought there. So thank you again both so much for your time and your fascinating comments. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This has been the final episode of Cloud Transformed. But if you missed our earlier episodes, don't forget to check them out. If you want to learn more about how technology can be a powerful catalyst for change, you can visit accenture.com forward slash techvision2021.